Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, my guest is Kim Kalbeck. Kim is the CMO at Coursera, a really cool company that is helping you access education, as they kind of say, without limits. Learn from anywhere, learn from some of the top places in the world. And her episode is really all about education. It's about the education she got working at Facebook for five years. It's about how she approached learning the business at Coursera, coming in as a director of marketing before being tapped to be that CMO and the way she played that out to make it happen. I think too often we don't see this. We don't see a CMO be pulled from within the organization. And it's cool to understand how she worked closely with the CEO to gain trust of him and the rest of her peers. Now, the rest of this episode, we talk about how to go and actually acquire customers. Really cool stat, I'm gonna tease it here. 84% of their 97 million learners have come without a dollar spent. These are unpaid acquisition strategies and Kim unpacks those for you. So get ready, a ton to learn here, pun intended, my conversation with Kim. Kim, really excited to have you drop in and share some knowledge, literally coming from a company that's all about knowledge and Coursera. But before we get there, I'm curious how you earned your gig at Coursera, because a lot of people feel a need to jump companies to get that first CMO job. You went from director to CMO. Yes, it's a great question. Uh, I, I joined Coursera after five years of Facebook because I really wanted to be closer to solving problems that were going to make people's day-to-day lives better and have a role where I could have that broader impact. Uh, I spent a couple years at Coursera in a role as director of brand and product marketing. And I really call my first couple years of Coursera rotation program because marketing was new to the company. Coursera had just hired their first CMO, Kurt Apen. He hired myself to lead brand and product and a counterpart to lead acquisition retention marketing. But it was really going function by function to show what marketing could do. So first it was our brand strategy, and then it was product marketing, and then partner marketing, and then enterprise marketing as the business was evolving. We hired a new CEO a couple years in, Jeff Magincalda, who's our current CEO. And he, uh, when he joined a lot of the executive team, uh, turned over. And there was a role that opened up for the chief marketing officer. I first spent time supporting him in his search for the chief marketing officer before I really made it clear that I wanted the role and in my heart uh, felt that I would be the right person for the (laughs) job. Uh, So eventually I wore him down and uh, was able to build the trust of the team and be able to take that position about four years ago now, which has been a total highlight of my career. That's amazing. Uh, Well played, as I was saying. (laughs) And, And I'm curious, I mean, you know, kidding aside, other than getting the CEO on side, who do you feel you had to win over within mm. the organization to create that confidence? You know, was it a board level decision? Is this a head of sales? Who was, who were some of your stakeholders? Great question. So there were two big groups. Um, one was my peers within marketing leadership, right? Because 
we were, we had been working together for several years. They were all fantastic at their domains. And so I think the first thing was just how would my peers feel if I became their manager? Um, and if I became that chief marketing officer. And so there was actually an interim period where I was a leader for the team, but not directly managing them, which I think served me really well because I could really focus on supporting them and being there to serve um, and make sure that they continued to be successful. And I think that really helped build trust with them. Uh, the second audience was the rest of the executive team at Coursera, um, some of which I had worked with for a longer period of time, some of which were newer. And I think that was really um, you know, how I showed up in our executive team meetings, adding to the strategy of our business through our pro planning processes and things like that, and really helping build those relationships and showing how marketing could support the business moving forward. That's interesting. I, I, I want to kind of mesh those two together with, with my next question, which is, and, and I mean this only with a ton of respect, I mean, you accelerated to the CMO level quite early in your career. I mean, an amazing run of almost five years at Facebook doesn't hurt. But, you know, if I add up, you know, more of that modern day marketing experience, you got maybe eight years before your CMO. And for people's perspective, Coursera is a beast. I mean, this is a company that has, you know, over 6,000 companies that you work with. I think it's what, almost 100 million learners that you're almost at today. Yeah, um, yeah, almost And 1,000 people. I mean, this is, this is a big rocket ship. How do you think you were able to convince your peers that you were the right person? Great question. So I think one of the things that is really awesome about being in marketing at Coursera is that marketing is so central to our actual business proposition. What we're trying to do is lower the cost of high quality education and make it more accessible. And the way that we're able to do that is through low customer acquisition costs. And so when I came into this role, uh, Jeff and team had just refinalized our new strategy with a centerpiece of degrees and certificates being the most transformative credential on the market and had decided that we were going to continue to invest in both consumer and enterprises channels. And that shift really made marketing a key ingredient to look at how do we take this freemium model of you know, free courses, great brands that attracts a lot of people to Coursera at low cost and then build a life cycle model that actually allows us to take those registered learners and put degrees and certificates and potentially enterprise products in front of them at the right point of time over the course of their both learning and professional careers. And because I was part of shaping that strategy with the team and really building a vision for what that could look like for the company, um, it made it a lot easier because at that point it was, we were already moving forward with my vision and the vision that the team had, had coalesced around. And so uh, it became an easier sell to let us continue on that work. So the language that you were using there around customer acquisition costs and, and the way you onboard a customer, I mean, some of these things are often thought of to be more part of the demand generation, customer acquisition team, growth team. You know, your career until the CMO gig, you know, no disrespect, because I love brand marketers. I love product marketers. It's more in the weeds of what the product does. How are you able to either get out of your lanes to get into some of this work that aligned with the CEO? Or how did you make that leap when it was time to do so? I was lucky to, I, I, my years at Facebook were also a bit of a rotation program. So I was able to do some enterprise marketing. I did mobile product marketing with a focus on emerging markets and then was able to do brand marketing 
which then also became digital acquisition marketing. So I, I did have some digital acquisition marketing experience through that. Um, and then my counterpart, who is still at Coursera with me, who is our now VP of consumer marketing and our original director of acquisition retention marketing is phenomenal. And so she and I were partners through that entire journey. So I learned a lot from her. I took you know an SEO class on Coursera. It was able to get exposed in other ways. And I think the biggest thing was probably just that overall, what's going to drive growth and business outcome perspective, um, because everything else flows from that. So if you understand kind of the business fundamentals, then the rest becomes a lot more ta- tactics that will support that. Really interesting. I, I got to ask quickly before we, we take a break here, but you know, we, we kind of skimmed over your time at Facebook and, and you, mm-hmm. you talked about the rotation. What, what kind of education was that for you as a marketer and you know, just the way you were able to see the scale of that organization? It was a great education. I worked with many people who are or have gone on to take on great chief marketing officer gigs themselves. Um, and I think the career advice that stemmed out of it for me was focus more on what you can learn and what you're going to get uniquely in each situation instead of it being necessarily the exact next path you saw yourself on. Uh, so I was more interested in consumer marketing when I took the enterprise marketing job. It was early marketing days at Facebook. And so I still got connected to the consumer because it was how do we work with businesses to understand how social media will change their relationship with consumers. But it was a great exposure to enterprise marketing. Similarly, I thought I wanted to do more consumer brand marketing um, on the consumer side. Mobile product marketing was the first position that opened up. And that was probably the six months I learned the most in my entire career about how product, technical products are built, the mobile industry at large, and uh, again, was just a huge growth. And then when I finally got into the brand marketing role that I thought I wanted from the beginning, I'd had these amazing experiences that I might not have chosen in a more linear path, but I think are very much what is serving me now and today as I've continued to learn and grow in different areas of marketing. And for a field that is so diverse, having those diversity of experiences becomes critical as you move up so you can understand the different components. You speak so well as as an educator and someone who's committed to ongoing learning, go figure with what Coach Coursera <laughs> does. How do you bring this mindset of, I, I'm going to use the word loyalty, but I, I mean, you have some amazing tenures with some very big companies and I'm sure many temptations to move along the way. But how do you kind of tell your team the value, especially these days where tenure of marketers is so low? I mean, 12 years or so between two companies is rare. What is the value in your mind of that? Well, I think first, you have to make sure you're doing something you're passionate about, right? That is the first tip I would give is, I think we are we are all our best when we are doing things that we feel matter and that we're really passionate about. And so I've been able to follow those passions, which has given me longevity, right? And so even though I'm about at seven years at Coursera, it feels like the first year because there's I'm still so excited about what we're building and how much there is still to build. And it still feels like there's just so much future trajectory that I want to see happen. And then the second thing is I do think, again, it gives you that chance to get exposure. So I'm not a proponent of, you know, stay in exactly one role doing the same thing for a long period of time, but a company can be a great place to jump around and test yourselves in in different areas. And especially uh, the more diverse the types of marketing functions or other functions within the company, the more opportunities you have to work with people in different departments, test different things out, 
take different roles yourself and learn. And I think, like I said, that can be some of the fastest way to move up um, as opposed to maybe a more linear path where you're just getting more and more senior in title, but within a more focused domain. Really interesting. I love that perspective. We're going to take a break and we'll get more from you here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the things that Kim highlighted there is how she had this rotation of learning inside of Facebook, different opportunities to learn and really expand her understanding of marketing, but also that business. And it makes me think at times that inside of organizations, maybe the way we can combat the high turnover is by encouraging people to approach their work like an education get them to move into different disciplines. Even if they're not gonna be strong in all of the subjects, they become more well-rounded and more committed to your organization as they would have been that degree that they were chasing. I think that approach to ongoing education is something that may be that solution we need for a stickier workforce. So one of the things I'm curious about, Kim, is you know you have this exciting metric of 97 million learners and counting. I'm sure every day that number can go up, and that's that's got to be so rewarding for your team. But how do you think of segmenting those users in terms of perhaps how they come in? You know, do they work with a larger organization? Do they work directly? How is that approached? Mm-hmm. So one of the things we realized early on when when deciding to have a three-sided marketplace where we have learners who come directly to Coursera as consumers to learn, as well as enterprises who come to transform their talent or add employability offerings to their campus curriculums or governments that are working to upskill their workforces, um, and then partners who are coming to teach the world, was that we needed to build a system that benefited more from having all of those sides. Um, and look at the network effects that were possible between them instead of viewing them as independent acquisition funnels. And so that was really the principle that led us uh, to our current marketing system, which is based on a large consumer top of funnel um, of those learners, 84% of the new registered learners that came to Coursera come from unpaid channels. Um, And the reason we're able to do that is because we have a lot of free content from the best universities and companies in the world and we are able to leverage that for really strong SEO. We do have a new and rapidly growing channel of SEO articles. Where we're really trying to answer questions that people have around learning and educational needs. Um, and then also really strong PR and also strong word of mouth. So we're always investing in continuing those channels. A smaller percent of our registered learners come from 
performance marketing that's we all run in an ROI profitable, scalable way. And then we work really closely with our data science and product teams to make sure that when a learner comes to Coursera, we know what they're most likely to be interested in learning from a domain perspective and from a learning type perspective, whether that be a course, they're ready for a bachelor's or master's degree, they're looking for a new job and they want a professional certificate that's going to get them the skills for a high demand job quickly. And we work to get them into those higher value products when the time is right for them. And if you look at our degree learners, over 50% of those degree learners come from that previously registered learner base. Learning also is something that, you know, we would love everyone to learn every day, but the reality is it's a little bit more episodic than that, especially when you want those real transformative learning experiences. And so we have those relationships though with those learners and then we can come back to them. And so you might not be in a market for a master's degree today, but you might be in five years and we can reach back out to you when the time is right. Similarly, our enterprise channel also benefits from the consumer brand. So uh, over 30% of our enterprise leads come from that registered base as well. And we have lots of learners who are also employees at companies. And we can also leverage some of that learning data to make start more effective conversations with, with companies and enterprise prospects as well. So that's kind of how the system works overall. And then we can really focus on how do we build the brand overall for what Coursera does and then have more targeted approaches to getting people to the right products. Wow, that's, I, you know, I'm, I'm still stuck on one of the first stats you threw there, which was 84% come from unpaid channels, which yep. is amazing. And at the same time, that just doesn't happen, which I think you, you so eloquently unpacked the various different channels. I'm curious how you structure your marketing team to support mm-hmm. so many different initiatives. I, I mean, you hit on there, the need to work with enterprises and sell to them in turn, the need to work with these universities. I mean, I go to the Coursera homepage and I'm intrigued that I can get a master of applied data science from U of M. I mean, that's, yep. that's super cool. How do you structure the team? How big is the marketing team to begin with and how does it break down? Yeah, we're a little over 200. It's a global team as well. So, uh, you know, 80% of our learners come from outside of the U.S. as well just to add another layer of complexity on. So the way that we structure our team, we have a head of consumer marketing who is responsible for both our registrant goals, our consumer revenue goals, and our degree student goals. And then we have a head of enterprise marketing who is responsible for uh, the full kind of enterprise pipeline through SALs and, uh, and pipeline creation. Uh, and then to support those two roles, we also have head of you know, communications, and then a brand and creative department that serves across. Um, We also have a central PMM function that works across and strategy and operations. And then we have a head of EMEA marketing and a head of uh, APAC marketing. So on the central consumer team, we also have our kind of top of funnel acquisition channels. So in that team, we have both people who are focused on acquisition channels and retention channels, as well as people who are more specifically focused on our top degree and certificate programs and growing those. Really interesting. I, I, I'm curious, just some learnings. I'm going to hit you with a bunch of questions here. <laughs> yeah. you know, none of these are rehearsed, so it's okay if you don't have answers. But I think there's so many nuances probably in these go-to-market strategies. And, and you even hit on you know, having a head of marketing for APAC and EMEA. I, have you found different strategies needed in some of those 
global approaches, or is it really just a translation of, of strategy, if you will, from a language perspective? How nuanced is that? We are in the process of going through figuring that out in a lot more depth. Our general approach is as much as possible, we want to have global solutions that work regionally and, and have tweaks. We definitely have a global consumer brand, whether you're talking about consumer versus enterprise or regionally, but we are definitely looking at different types of channels that are important for communication in different regions. So for example, someone in the US who is interested in a degree is probably expecting you to reach out to them via a phone call or an email, where someone in India who's interested in a degree is absolutely expecting you to reach out to them on WhatsApp. The communication channels do vary. There's definitely elements of media mix and things like that that vary, and then localization of creative elements, even though the the brand overall is consistent. Interesting and, and very you know detailed question, but you you alluded to having this comms group and and PR group and corporate branding. I think it was. Yeah. Is that in servicing those global regions, or do you have subsets of those groups within those global regions? We're very matrixed, so we do have people locally. Um, who have those connection points globally, right? So comm specifically is a global team with people in market who are dotted line to region and brand. Uh, we will have people in region who are solid line regionally and dotted line into central brand. And it just depends a little bit on in terms of how likely those international resources are to service 100% a market relative to uh, taking on more um, global functions for the team. Very interesting. So the last area I'm curious about that, I mean, we've all talked enough about the realities of the pandemic, but there's no question that this in many ways may have accelerated your business. I mean, we're all now much more comfortable with remote now more than ever. So rather than asking you how it, you know, if it had a factor, let's assume yes. it did. I, what I'm more curious about is from the content perspective, because I imagine that you had to adjust content from educating why remote can work to you know embracing the current norm how did you go about revisiting you know the voice that you have in market as a result of the realities it definitely was an accelerator both on you know we really factor into conversations both on the future of learning as well as the future of work um, and so it has been a great opportunity to break down some of those barriers. Um, you know, even internally at Coursera, we were primarily an in-person company until the pandemic hit. And then we were one of the earliest companies that I know of to decide that we were going to forever be remote. We still have our offices, but they're for, you know, more coming together, special occasions, or you can hotel desk there. But we immediately embraced a talent strategy that was all remote. Um, and so there's a lot of trends at play right now. There's both the move to um, be able to learn remotely, the move to be able to work remotely, and with that, the great resignation and everyone thinking about their life goals um, from scratch, at least in the United States, the way we've tried to play into that is to both create the learning pathways that will enable people to get those new careers and new jobs that they are actively seeking, um, and also work with companies on creative solutions for how they can both attract more diverse and broad talent from a variety of locations, as well as think about how to rapidly upskill talent with new technologies and new tools with remote options. So similarly, we also work with universities and are working with them on how they can enable more students at scale to learn the top skills that are required from employers today 
And so it really kind of hits on all on all dimensions. That's really interesting. I, I'm sure there's been a ton of opportunity and, you know, yourself being a, a brand minded marketer, for sure, you know, a lot of sensitivity that's had to be taken with the with that accelerant. Yeah. And the we actually I skipped over to today, but when the pandemic hit, we right away actually decided to offer Coursera for free through a campus response initiative to any university around the world that had shut down as a result of COVID. Um, and so with that, we had over 7,000 institutions take advantage of that offering, students all over the world, um, and then similarly created a workforce recovery initiative, um, working with governments around the world where they could offer free learning to anyone who was unemployed. And so those were two initiatives we launched right away in order to just figure out how we could serve during that time. Um, and now we're finally able to have more conversations about what do these look like as long-term solutions to solve workforce development challenges and student teaching and learning challenges. That's really interesting and, and awesome that you did that, both in terms of the value it provided and you know how nimble you probably had to be to go and, and adjust to that type of model yes. and scale. So very cool learnings. We're gonna keep learning from you. One more short break. We're back with Kim on the Marketer's Journey. Well, Kim unpacked there in terms of how they adapted to provide their software to some of these universities that is shut down to any place learning. It's another example of what I call speed to marketing. And it's become so important in the last couple of years for us to be able to adapt our marketing strategies. You know, it's amazing as we look and all of us can relate whether we had kids or whether we know someone with kids who wasn't able to go into school, be that elementary or a university experience where they were stuck at home. The opportunity to learn in these years is so valuable and the opportunity for Coursera to adjust was even more impressive. Take a look at your business, look at what's going around and find ways that you can adjust to a trend in moments to capture that wave of opportunity. All right, Kim, so we have unpacked your career journey and we've talked a lot about education and the different approaches. Now I'm gonna test your knowledge on some rapid fire questions. First one, you ready here? Yes. All right, so when you think of the next CMO within your team, the next person who's gonna rise or the people that you worked with at Facebook, do you think that they've gone into the level by being more of a generalist in marketing or specializing in a certain focus? I think they can come up with different specialties, but ultimately you have to be broad. And so I think the most important thing is that orientation towards how to use marketing skill sets to solve business challenges at the highest level. Interesting. What about the, the marketers on your team in terms of how you push them? What's one thing you push them to do more of on a consistent daily basis? One of the biggest things related to that is we have two values at Coursera that I think really dictate this. So maximize impact, which is all about how do you make sure you're working on the things that are going to have the biggest impact that are highest leverage? How do you identify insights that are going to lead you to see those opportunities and double down on them? Um, and then the second is learn, change, and grow, um, which is really all about how do we always think about what are we learning from what we're trying? How can we change what we're doing to make it more impactful? Um, and how are you developing as an individual? I love that you're able to pull in core values to answer that question. That means they're well thought out and, and aligned to the business. 
So let, let's talk content for a moment here. And I'm curious for you, what is the content, not necessarily the learning content in Coursera, but the content marketing assets that get you to click through these days? Yeah, so uh, we have two different approaches to content marketing. There's more the consumer and degree side and then the enterprise side. And I would say that the common thread is just you have to answer the questions that are most relevant and you have to be able to answer them in a unique way. So uh, on the consumer side, when we're talking to learners who are trying to figure out how they can get started in a new career, what career they can be taking or how they should think about an online degree, uh, we create content that links back to that. And then on the enterprise side, we use a lot of our data to show thought leadership around what skills are most important for different industries and different countries to be developing, which are changing the fastest, which are the new emerging skills, how are different companies or countries performing against developing those skills, um, and then specifically, how is your organization doing and where is the gap from where you are today to where you want to go so we can be really targeted and bringing those data points forward in a way that's relevant. Very cool. All right. My second last question is, is really going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'm going to make you choose, choose your favorite child, if you will. Uh, I know. I, you have so much content for learning at your fingertips as a CMO to push your marketing team towards. Is there one course on Coursera that you require every new marketer to go take? And which course is that? We aren't that black and white about it, but we do leverage our marketing academy uh, with all of our marketing skill sets. And one that I highly suggest to everyone is AI for Everyone from one of our founders, Andrew Ng, because again, data is such a core pillar to everything that we do in marketing. Um, and there's also a great uh, marketing analytics course, which is another great data entree. Um, there's also great storytelling narrative building classes, which I think are, are incredibly important too, as well as actually things like the science of well-being. I know we're all dealing with burnout and things like that. So we often, um, and I often talk about those as well as a way to help create the right balance in our lives. Love it. Uh, you didn't choose a, a favorite child, but you diplomatically got to a few of them. It was, it was well done. I'll let it slide. Uh, my last one is bringing it back to the journey. Uh, how do you find time for yourself? How do you disconnect? Uh, and what does that look like being a busy CMO? I have a philosophy that I try to bring to our team, which is uh, make work work around your life and not the other way around. And if you're passionate about what you're doing, work will get enough. Um, and so the things that I start with that are important to me are my family. I have three kids, seven to two, um, and our dog, of course, um, and then exercise um, and you know traveling, doing different things like that. So I book those things in those are non-negotiables and work gets the rest and I hope for the best. <laughs> um, but that's how I try to think about it and approach it. No, it's such great advice. And it's it's so true. Once it's in your calendar to spend that time with family, then yep. you can work around that. It's very hard to slide them in last minute. Exactly. Uh, this doesn't work for their schedule. So I think that's great advice. And there's there's been so much of that in this episode, Kim. I, I can't thank you enough for finding time to share. If you're tuning in and finding this episode is your first marketer's journey, check out all the other episodes that we have and you'll find that everyone's is unique. Yours is probably the same. And hopefully one day you'll be on here to share how you got to the CMO level. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in. 
You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.